For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com this is the last minute blues podcast with jeff burton donnie fandango and former blues defenseman jamie rivers it is the last minute blues podcast donnie fandango jeff burton from 1057 the point and our freaking homeboy former blue and now team member over at 101 espn jamie rivers boys i need sports i need sports badly who do i i uh, I watched, it was an old, I just happened to fall, uh, run across on, I think it was MLB Network the other day, and it was an old Cardinals, well, obviously an old, Cardinals <laughs> versus Mil- Milwaukee uh-huh. back in 2014, I think it was, and it was all the old names from the Cardinals that, that were there, and then I got really sad because on deck was, um, now I can't think of his name. The left fielder who was supposed to be our left fielder, or I'm sorry, our right fielder for a million years. Oscar, Oscar Tavares. Ta- oh, Oscar yeah. Tavares yeah. or Tavares, whatever. They were like, oh, this young kid's going to be amazing, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So sad. Yeah. So ridiculously. He died, and then his, the girl, his girlfriend or, or wife or whatever died, died in, a, in a car wreck, right? Yeah, man, I think she was like 18 or something, man. I mean, she was... She was really young. Yeah, as was he. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As yeah, was yeah. he. He wasn't like 40 or anything. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, and I just need new sports. Let me, I need new hockey. I need new baseball. Let me ask you this, Jamie. All right? We see a, a couple things. We see in Major League Baseball players seemingly being a little on the fence. Hockey players seem to be a little more unified, but you definitely will still see some of that fear creeping in, which is obviously very natural. Do you still see baseball and hockey starting in August and finishing? Wow. Um, and I know that's a lot, man. No. But it's, it's, dude, and Jeff and I have talked about it too. Mm-hmm. As much as we love this and want it back, boy, oh boy, it seems like we're not there yet. And the road to get there seems like it's pretty it's, still far. It's like eating that big ass bowl of cereal or something. You're enjoying it, but you're feeling guilty before it's even, <laughs> before it's even over. You're already feeling guilty about it. It's like, yeah, I want to watch hockey. I want to watch baseball. The other stuff I don't really care about, but those two sports I want to watch, but are we putting us in uh, harm's way just because we want to watch sports? So for hockey being the little brother of the other three major sports in the, in the United States, obviously NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, and then the NHL is kind of like down just a little bit, right? I know we don't feel that way, but that's kind of revenue-wise mm-hmm. and all sure. that. So, yeah. That's the way they're viewed. They got their shit together, guys. It sounds like They it. really do. They've got two great hub cities in Edmonton and Toronto. They've created as much of a bubble as they can. And here's where they're different from the other leagues right now. They've flat out said, we are going to enforce rules and protocols like you've never seen before. Almost military style. You cannot leave unless you have given a notification to your floor correspondent and get off the floor. And then if you're going somewhere, they have special drivers and vans and whatever that are designated for that. They have certain times that you go eat. You have a certain pantry that they're going to make out of one of the rooms with prepackaged foods. And you have to schedule everything. And the players are like, okay, fine. The other leagues aren't doing that. 
Like the NBA has this bubble that they're trying to make make it look like, oh, we're fine. We're all by ourselves here. No, the park is open just down the street, for one thing. The employees who are in your area, they're coming and going every day, and they're not being tested. Mm-hmm. They don't have any kind of a perimeter involved, so the players could just walk out of Disney World anytime they want. Well, why are they even going there then? Well, because there's a lot lead. of money on the line. Well, that's a good point. And Major League Baseball, to me, that's the biggest craziness I've seen because they're not even trying for a hub, anything, or a bubble. Like, they're going to play in their own cities. They're going to live in their houses. They're going to travel to other cities. They're going to they're allowed, in their mandates, they're allowed to use an Uber or a Lyft. Oh, while this, is, this is Major League Baseball? Major ah. League Baseball. So can you imagine that? You get a young guy out there, right? You, I mean, Jeff, we hung out when I was young. Yeah. You get a young guy out on the road. He's had a few cold ones, even over dinner with just his teammates, so he takes that one teammate, hey, let's go grab a beer over, over there. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. we're not no. supposed to go over there. Ah, no, no, be you, all right. you know what it's going to take? I'll tell you what it's going to take. One super hot chick. Well, that's yeah. the point. Yeah. Why yeah, don't yeah. you come over here? <laughs> hey, look, my dad told me a long time ago, he says, a country dog will die running 10 miles just to get a little bit of that action. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was there when he said it. Yeah. I, I think he may have actually been looking. We were, walking out, we were walking out of church. Oh, yeah. yeah. Boy, oh, boy. That's scary. That's scary. And it's amazing to me that these different entities are doing things so differently. And I, I understand that some seasons had already started, and now they're pausing. Some didn't start. But still, that whole you can come and go as you want, that makes no sense. It's craziness, guys. It's craziness. And the one thing I will say about the NBA, even though they're playing with fire with the way they're doing things right now, them and the NHL are just playoffs, right? So their their track is a lot shorter. Major mm-hmm. League Baseball – They've got to do all the 60 games, then there's postseason, and they're going to do all this without any kind of a bubble around them. So I do think that the NHL will start. I believe the NHL will finish. Uh, The NBA, I'm on the fence. I don't think Major League Baseball will finish. But for us, especially with our Blues, the biggest period of time is going to be from now, but starting Monday when it's training camp till August 1st when they get to the bubble. That's going to be the hardest part because you're going to have all the guys back in the same city. They're going to be at the facility practicing together. And then after that, they're going to go grab lunch. They're going to, it's a tight-knit group. And from there, Donnie, to your point, all it takes is going to grab lunch at a local establishment. Some beautiful woman walks by, gives a little bit of a little respect to the boys as she goes by. Now, all of a sudden, somebody's like, hey, wait a minute. Whoa. And now you have a team that's you know at risk. Because of that decision. So to get them from the start line, which is Monday, to the finish line, which is like August 1st. Ugh. Blinders <laughs> on, boys. Blinders <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, think about this, all right? So you're talking about an NHL team, which is 25 or 30 dudes, all you know, all told. Dude, what about when you break it down to the NFL? Oh. And you've got flipping 60 guys plus staff that you're going to have to keep tabs on. I just... I, well, I, I actually feel as though that me being a cursed Buffalo Bills fan is going to continue because this year we're supposed to be good. So this, of course, is the season that's going to get canceled sure. because yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. But then also something that's a crazy shit to me is when you see owners start talking about how they're going to put fans in the season. Oh, yeah. Holy smokes. I'm not going to that. I love sports. I love it more than almost anything. I'm not going. I, I'm not going anytime soon, man. I got to feel good about doing that, and I don't know when I'm going to feel good. Yeah, I is it, can't is it even next season? That. I don't know. Oh, no, it, they're talking about like. No, I'm saying oh, if, if it's okay next season, right. would you go? I, I don't know, man. Well, it just, 
It all depends on what happens. I am just not at a point now where I'm comfortable being, even if they, even if they gr- only let 14,000 people into Bush or whatever. That's still fucking a lot of people, man. Mm-hmm. That is a like, lot of people like, still. And I just... And with everybody taking this virus, some some seriously, some not so seriously, like, I just don't want to risk it. I'll just stay at home and watch on TV, man, and, and, yeah. and not worry about it. Well, the, the kick in the nuts that's coming for the NFL is uh, the, the owners are going to be asking the players to, I believe, take a 35% pay cut for this season. Oh. Be, uh, listen, we thought ba- we thought baseball got messy, Okay. NFL is going to ask the players to take a 35% pay cut because they're losing out on all these revenues. Meanwhile, like you got the Dolphins owner, you got the, I think it was Tennessee owner talking about, we're going to have like 14,000 people in the stands or 20,000 people. This is going to be a shit show before it's over, boys. Yeah, and then think about Goodell. They're, they're what is he, the commissioner? Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. What does he make a year? Oh, well, it's like, it's like, is it three figures in the millions or something like oh, that? Oh, I mean, or? he's, he's, he definitely, but I think, I think it's he, like 20. But I think he gave his I don't salary. Know how he makes it and meet that way. But. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You really worry about guys like he's that. He's gonna get the small soda. I, I just, I, I, the feasibility of all of this is still something that I struggle with when I start to get excited about it. You know, because I just, I, it just seems like there are so many variables, and then you see guys like like Mike Trout running the bases with a mask on, mm-hmm. with a pregnant wife saying he I'm brought his sure pregnant I... wife around the bases with him. <laughs> She's she actually still, mean, man. She's still got pretty good foot speed. So what do you? So here, let's ask you this as as a as a former player. So they come to you and say, "I want you to take a thirty five percent pay cut because we are not going to have anybody in the stands." You as a person know, all right. You are taking your business is taking a hit, yeah. but I also know that you're a goddamn billionaire right. and you're still going to be when this is all over. So how do you how do you approach that? This is easy for me. I say, you got it. I take a 35% pay cut, but you're going to add another year on the back end of my contract. Hmm. You know, you want to, I'll scratch your back right now. Times sure. are tough. When I'm three or two years older and I'm an unrestricted free agent or maybe this, that, and the other, we're going to sign that contract now, and it's going to kick in an extra year at full pay. So I'll give you your break now, but on the back end of this, you're going to scratch my back. Is See, that, that what the Players sense. Association is saying, or is that just something you just I have no idea. That's up? just me. Okay. That's just my That, that would just be it. how you went after it. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk any more about the, the, the virus and stuff coming back? Because, if I mean, if you do, that's great. But I had something that I wanted to throw at Jamie that I, that I heard yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Uh, was it was Craig Button yesterday? Yes, sir. When you guys were talking about, and he was, really comparing Petrangelo and Colton Pareko. Yeah. Ooh. And it and it was, hey, if he walks, hey, don't worry about it. Colton Pareko is the next man up as far as being another Petrangelo. And he said absolutely not, which I agree with. But what are your thoughts on that whole subject, and what are your thoughts on Pareko in the future? Because I think he can be a flipping stud. I'm never in a million years going to say that he's going to be Petrangelo, but your thoughts on it. Okay, so this is where you know, I, I do get like heated in these discussions. And Ooh, after good. we had Craig Button on... Uh, BK, my co-host tonight, we went back and forth a little bit, and I tried to educate both him and Alex on the differences between the two. People think automatically, well, Colton Pareko, look at this, right? Oh, he can skate. He, he's everything that you think he is, but he's not Alex Petrangelo. And what I mean by that is Colton Pareko, in my opinion, may never, ever be able to quarterback a power play. It just The instincts maybe aren't there. It just is what it is. He's a freak of nature. He can shoot the puck 110 miles an hour, but... He's never going to be able to dictate 
how a power play works in that position. He doesn't have that offensive-minded brain, at least not yet. So I looked at it and I go, everything that Colton Pareko does currently, Alex Petrangelo can do those things. He can play against the other team's top line. He can kill penalties. He can yell on the power play. He can skate. He can do, you name it, right? But let's talk about the things, and this is the easiest way to go about it. Let's talk about what Pareko brings compared to Petrangelo. Right. So if you do that crossover, everything's equal until can he quarterback a power play? Yeah, no, not really. Uh, what kind of leadership skills does he have? He's getting better. He's got a bigger voice, but he's certainly not the captain. And you take in some of the other intangibles of Alex Petrangelo, just everything, his work ethic, what he demands of his teammates, all this other stuff, and you have a real big imbalance. The scale starts to tip to where there's way more things on Alex Petrangelo's plate as far as pros rather than Colton Pareko. So people get horny. They get all excited because (laughs) Colton Pareko is this – Massive Ivan Drago lookalike <laughs> superstar superhero from the blue line, he is. But and I think Craig Button put this the best way. He goes, "Is Colton Pareko possibly a number one defenseman on your team without Alex Petrangelo? Yeah, he probably is. But is he a number one defenseman across the NHL? Yeah, that and was goes, the comment I remember. Yeah. That's where Alex Petrangelo is." So it's tough to you know you can't replace what you have there, right? Can you can we talk a little bit about the 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 guy that I know his first name is Scott, last name starts with a P. He just won the Hobie Baker that that the Blues signed. Did they sign him with the Alex Petro potentially walking in mind, or that just is a best available player with our draft pick? He was our guy, kind of thing. Look, and people do this all the time. Like, when we traded for Justin Falk, well, that's Petro's replacement, right? I know we did it. Yeah, Yeah, we absolutely. Yeah. That's not the case, okay? When you have players of that ilk, of an Alex Petrangelo, you don't look to replace them, right? Like, if you look at some of the rock bands over the years where they lose a lead singer, they bring on somebody who's incredible, okay? Incredible. But it's not not the the main guy, right? Like, if you look at Queen, they brought on Adam Lambert. He does a fantastic job, but he's no friggin' Freddie Mercury, right, you know? Sure. So same thing to be said there. You may bring a player in, but they're not going to be that player. So I, to me, the Perunovic guy, yeah, you draft him. You've developed him. He's been in college. You see what you have now, and you hope that one day he becomes, you know, a top four defenseman on your roster. With Alex Petrangelo, guys, and, and I mentioned this too yesterday, everybody's like, well, he's getting up there. He's going to be He's 30, you know? Nick Lidstrom won seven Norris trophies between the age of 30 and 40. Okay, now, I know. That's Nick, dumb. What about the other three years? <laughs> yeah. I what know. Puss. And this is where I got, you know, Craig Button and I laughed a little bit, and I understand Nick Lidstrom. You just dropped Nick Lidstrom. Okay, Chris Chelios did it as well. Not seven, but he won the Norris trophy after being 30 years old. Al McInnes, his only Norris trophy ever, he won after the age of 30. And if you look at Petro's, his progress and his graphic of the how his development has gone, it's spiking right now through mm-hmm. the roof. Like last year, he was really good. He was great in the playoffs. This year, he's been phenomenal the entire year. So what do you think your next two or three years are going to look like? Maybe even four. He's going to continue to rise. That stock is going to continue to grow for the St. Louis Blues. So you just don't replace that. You, you don't have a guy in line, like you say, to replace that. You may get a guy that's similar, and you hope that in five, six, seven years, they become something like Alex Petrangelo. But to have the direct replacement or what you think is going to slot in there right away, 
that's just way too hard when you have a player that that is that good. And I, and I don't want to go to a negative here after all that positive, but one of the other things that he brought up, and I think it was the same interview, was the Justin Falk contract, mm-hmm. and he's not where he should be right now. And if he doesn't, Craig seemed to think that it was it would be pretty easy to dump his salary to dump you know to trade him. That would have to be sooner than later, okay? Because age will work against Justin Falk in that deal. It's another six years on the back end of this, I believe, at seven million somewhere in that area. Maybe, yeah. So in that contract, Justin Falk has a no uh, no trade clause, so you can't trade him. But there's ways around that. You basically say, okay, you're going to be healthy scratch for the next twenty five games, right? Or we can trade you, but you got to sign off on it. So the guy's going to be like, okay, well, trade me then, right? And then here's a handful of teams, and you know, they'll open up they'll, this, the discussion. They'll give him that luxury of pick 10 teams that you will go to or pick 10 that you absolutely won't go to, and they'll work their way through that. If he says no, then still that he doesn't want to do it, they can send him to the minors. They put him on waivers where any team in the league can pick him up, but you got to pay his salary and pick up his contract. Or he goes down to the minors, and most of that, almost 100% of that cap hit comes off your books. Wow. Now, you're paying $7 million to go play in the American Hockey League, but you're getting some cap relief up top. So, And usually that works a trade somewhere because somebody – it never really ends up being horrible. So I think Craig Button was alluding to that is he still has enough in the tank right now in the next year or two to get a good trade. If not, there's ways around it. What about – uh, when it comes to the expansion draft and, and and Justin Falk, could that be a potential way that if if he doesn't? And I really, pardon me, don't like the way. Same, same here. I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. I still feel like we don't know what we've got with this yeah. guy. Yeah, and, and he could really be something special. So I'm not trying to move dude out of town. No, I get it. But but at some point you're going to have to shed some salary, and maybe that expansion draft is a way to do it. Listen, I can tell you what that draft day is definitely circled on Army's calendar. Yeah, because if Justin Falk just continues to be what he is now, which is just steady, just there, you know, but he's making $7 million. He's right. making top two defensemen money, and he's like sixth on the right. depth chart right now. So if he's still there, uh, and, and yeah, they're going to put his name in there, and usually this is the way it would work is they would say, hey, look, Seattle, we're gonna, we want you to take Justin Falk. I know it's $7 million onto your cap. I know you may not be thrilled with him right now, but guess what? We'll trade you a second rounder at the same time. We'll trade you a second rounder for, you know, uh, future considerations. And Justin Falk will now go to Seattle, and Seattle will pick up a second round draft pick at the same time. So you're basically paying the team off to take your player. And that's what Vegas did. Vegas got a boatload of, like, first round picks because teams were trying to dump their players. Vegas was like, okay, we'll take your player, and we'll take a first rounder. Thank you. Would somebody like him be... um attractive to uh, Seattle, Justin Falk? Is he a big enough name to go, hey, look who we got? Well, look at what Vegas did. Did they have any big names that year? No, they had everybody's misfit toys, yeah. right? Yeah. So, Besides Flurry, the goaltender, yeah, right? He, you're right. He was he's the decent. only... Yeah, he, seems like the only okay. name I remember. He's decent. He's pretty good, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Justin Falk would be really valuable. You know, he's an older guy, a veteran guy. You get the leadership presence right away into a brand new right. locker room. Yeah. And... If you look at his his hockey stats, he's had a great career. And depending on who else you pick up, he could be a captain or at least an A, something 100%. like that. And you know what? Speaking of Vegas, I watched last night. I'm so Jones for sports, clearly. Uh, game one of the Stanley Cup Finals in 2018. Vegas, oh, Vegas and Washington. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What an amazing game that was. Holy cow. 
I, I, miss, I miss Oshi so much. Dude, I just, <laughs> I, I just man, I, I have never in my life, like, pined so hard for, like, a Panthers-Oilers game. Like, I don't give right. a shit who it is. I just want, I just want to see dudes Hurricanes-Panthers. Yeah, Twelve people in the did crowd. Ever, did I ever tell you about interviewing uh, Oshi when he was in town for the Frozen Four? And who was, who was he with? Den- not Denver. Colorado? Who was he with? What college did he go oh, to? Oh, shoot. North Dakota. North Dakota. Well, he was in town for the Final Four, and it was just on the phone. But uh, I think I, I think it was, and then I interviewed him later. Anyway, he was drafted by the Blues, and I guess he stayed in college one more year or something to that effect. Yeah. And I said to him something to the effect after he got after he moved to the Blues, I said, "Man, I can't believe that you turned down the NHL because of all of the you know groupies in the NHL." For a rookie, and he said, "This groupies in college too. Don't you worry about it." <laughs> yeah, don't kid yourself, Jeff. As I good, went, yeah, you're probably right. They're as, just a year younger. That's as good all. as you think it is, sometimes to be in the NHL, those college campuses—that's a whole other world. That works too. Does that work too? Oh yes. So, oh, as far as hockey fans, what are we? Give us, Jamie, maybe like the next week or so. What we're what we're looking out for, what we're hoping for, uh, those kinds of things for hockey to resume, hopefully, in that first week of August. Yeah, what we're looking for is the rest of the team's going to be coming into town here in St. Louis. If they're not already here, I believe that 98% of them are here right now. And then we're going to hope that they literally lock themselves into a room and get to training camp. And then, like we talked about earlier, we're going to hope that training camp gets finalized without any more positive tests that happen and we get them up to Edmonton. And then I think we can breathe a little sigh of relief. Um, and that brings me another, I had another sidebar here in my, in my head. There's not much up there, but right, yeah, <laughs> little, well, we got to make sure we hear get the it wind. out when it's there. Yeah, I can hear the wind going through. <laughs> That's the hamster in his wheel. Um, so uh, for the blues, if I was Doug Armstrong, I would get a hotel here locally, maybe even Hollywood casino. Cause odds are they're not slammed right now. with things. Yeah. And say, we want an entire floor. And we're going to use this floor right now. We're going to start, we'll call it practice quarantining for when we get up to Edmonton. And I know you guys are going to hate it. And you're going to have to leave your wives at home, your girlfriends, your dogs, whatever it is. But the quicker we can adjust to this lifestyle, that gives us an advantage coming out of the gates in Edmonton right away. And I would have them isolated. And then they literally just take a team bus from that hotel down to Centene to practice and get their training camp done, and then they get right out of town, right up to Edmonton, and guess what? Life stays the same because they've already been doing it. They've been it. doing it for a few weeks or But whatever. now that's my strategy. I'm a little you know, out yeah. there. How many concussions? None that I can remember. <laughs> How many concussions have you had? Spaghetti? Okay, so that's seven. Take a side of mayonnaise. And that's, that's, uh, that uh, button dude had some, gl- uh, some glorious things to say about you. He was very nice to you. About your career. I was like, are you sure it was Jamie Rivers you were I was actually surprised. I thought, is he thinking it's my brother? (laughs) That could be. That could be. No, no, he he said some nice things about you. It's weird. You know, you you come back into contact with some of these people, and Craig Button was like a top NHL scout at the time, so I used to see him all the time at my junior hockey games, and now you get to talk about it. And BK was funny because he was like, I got a question. I got one more. I got one more. I'm like, usually, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> I don't know what's coming here. Yeah, but, yeah. And I, you know me. I'm okay. I'm like, whatever, man. I'm an open book. Well, I thought it was really interesting because I know you watched Jamie when he played, whether it was here or the other the other teams besides yeah. Detroit that he was on. And I, I think I remember him saying something to the effect of he would like for you to see you play now without all yeah. the uh, clutching and grabbing because you were a bit offensive minded because you actually you actually skated not a lot but you skated some shifts as a forward. Oh yeah. 
back well, in the day as well. Here's a little tidbit for you. I'm the second highest scoring defenseman to ever play in the OHL. Really? I Holy had, shit. I had 121 points in a season. Whoa. Uh, 32 goals, 27 power play goals. Wow. I had 36 points in 16 playoff games. So, yeah, when he talks about offense, that's what I was. And so it was You weird. just happened to leave it in the OHL, I guess. No, no. This is okay. true. Uh, I got you here. You punch him for that. Yeah, yeah I it. will. He thinks he's far enough right now. <laughs> Good one. Six feet away. Six feet. Um, but when I got to the NHL, uh, my very first cup of coffee, in 13 games, I had seven points. Wow. I had two goals, five assists in 13 games. Damn. And, you know, that was the path I was headed on. And then the coaching staff, the new coach, Joel Quenville, uh, it was a great coach, but wasn't great for me. And we had Al McInnes, we had Chris Pronger, we had Steve Duchesne, we had all these guys, right? And so he basically told me, listen, I'm going to play you with Al, and I don't want you to rush the puck. I don't want you to involve in the offense. Just get the puck to Al. We want you to be a physical guy out there. We want you to be just an absolute pest, run around, crush people, and if anybody hits Al, you know, go after them, take them out, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So within one coach's meeting – I went from the possibility of being a premier offensive defenseman in the league to kind of turning into a knucklehead that just, right. you know, plugs the holes in the boat. And after about two, three years of that, that's what teams thought I was. Right. right? Yeah. So that's what they're he signing. You turned into now. Roman Polak is what you did. Pretty much, yeah. Exactly. And, and I mean that as a compliment yeah. to both of you guys because I was always a big fan of Mr. Polak. But then when teams would sign me and trade for me, they would be, yeah, we need a guy to come in here. We need a, we need a little more physicality on the blue line. We need like physicality like i never didn't like it that's right i love the physicality but when you're putting up numbers like i had even in the american hockey league i think my first year i had 53 points in 75 games shit as a defenseman right yeah. and then they're bringing me up here to kind of be a little bit of a knucklehead uh, block shots and puck off the glass basically right it was weird it was like fighting all of my it's, instincts it's so funny that you say that because and it sounds like again i'm blowing sunshine up your skirt but i can see you getting the puck to McKinnis or whomever, and there goes four guys skating up the ice, and here's Rivers basically gliding over the center mm-hmm. ice. Like, I'm back here, guys. I'm the safety I'm, play- I'm, I'm sweeper. I'm playing sweeper. I remember that. Like, And I was like, is he tired? Is he just not skating? No, so this old. is what you were doing. Hung over. Yeah. No. <laughs> the hardest part that, that people don't understand is that was what I was my entire life, was this offensive guy who scored goals and was part of the offense. To change completely, to do a 180 – the work physically and mentally that went into that was excruciating because you're totally, it's like taking a racehorse and turning them into, a, you know, like a, a backyard point where there's no room to run or nothing like how, that. How about this? You made the opening day roster of the, of the Cardinals. Congratulations. Now, we'd like you to bat left-handed, though. Yeah, pretty much. And so the rest of my career, I spent trying to learn how to play defensive hockey. And it was really, really hard. And that's probably why I bopped around so much because I would have spurts of not being very good at it because my instincts were to be a different player. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but by the end of my career, when I went to the Red Wings, and I know you guys hate this, but la, 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 it's la. the first <laughs> team, they were the first team to identify what I could do. Right. And so they said, listen, we have Nick Lidstrom. We got all these guys. We don't need you to carry the puck in it, but we encourage you to. If you want to carry the puck, get involved, whatever. You know, we need the physicality. That's why we signed you. We have nobody back there that's really going to hit anybody. We want you to do that. And it was great. My confidence got back. It got rolling. And I started playing some of the best hockey I ever did and became a defensive specialist to where years after that, I was playing against other teams' top lines, like playing against Joe Thornton's line and doing all this. And I'm like, 
I remember one time looking out there and having like Thornton Marlowe and like somebody else for the Sharks. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Out here? Like, <laughs> what is going on? Like, has my life come this full circle to where now I'm out here doing this? So, so was it Ken Holland that put you in that position that that said, "Hey, we, you know, we don't need you to be the guy to rush the puck." Yep. But so he, so you have Ken Holland in very high regard. Ken Holland, Dave Lewis, who is the head coach that year, Barry Smith, head coach, or the assistant coach, and the players. Okay, and I don't know if I've ever told this story yet. My first game is a Detroit Red Wing. We got Hull, we got Eiserman, Shanahan, Lidstrom, Chelios, Hatcher. Like, you just go down the whole yeah. decent roster. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing Hall of Famers. And then I was like in the corner. And they're like, yeah, and that guy. And him. <laughs> that guy who signed up for fantasy camp here. Um, <laughs> Excuse me, kid. We're going to start the real game. Can you get out of here? <laughs> first shift, uh, maybe not for first period for sure. Chelios gets the puck in the neutral zone. We're partners. So imagine I'm partnered with Chris Chelios. He zips it over to me. I take three hard strides, get up the red line. I rip a dump in. Like, impressive like i got some heat on that thing, yeah. right we get back to the bench and we're sitting there and i feel eyeballs looking at me and i'm like looking down the bench and another guy's looking down and looking back it's brett hull he oh, keeps boy. peeking down and staring at me i go what the fuck do you want he's like this is detroit we don't dump the puck in Detroit. <laughs> we got guys that can take it in. And so I'm like, oh, whatever, you know. And Steve Eiserman, as I'm dropping names everywhere right now, sure. they're falling out of my pockets, literally. <laughs> he's sitting beside me, and I'm still heated. I'm like, you know, screw that guy. Whatever. Right, right. And he's like, no, nah, Ribs. He's like, seriously. You dump that puck. And he's like, nobody's getting it. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> Just keep skating because you're going to get it yourself. And I go, well, what the hell am I supposed to do? He's like, you're not here because you're shitty. He's like, we wouldn't have signed you if you were shitty. He goes, take the puck, pass it to somebody else, regroup, go back to go back to the goalie if you have to. He's like, we don't give up the puck. And that's when I was like, okay, so this is real. Like, I'm allowed to play. I'm allowed to touch the puck. Right. And so I started skating with the puck, making plays, didn't see something, didn't see a play. I'd cycle back, take it back to my own blue line, pass it over to my partner, get it back. Like, it felt so good. It was like, oh, my God, I'm home. I'm in the OHL again. I'm, yeah, I got long hair, and we're going to go party after. What? Well, wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe still go party, but no long hair. And you have, what was the what was the necklace? Was it a puka shell necklace, or what was that? That was a dog chain. Dog chain. That's yeah, it was a dog chain. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's the first time I've ever heard a story about the Detroit Red Wings that's made me smile. I know. <laughs> oh, remember when we were talking about them getting eliminated from the playoffs? That yeah, was that's fun. that yeah, always that, that, was, that always yeah. because even even though that they're in the East now, I still hate them like they're in the West. Yeah. I, I really, I mean, that is just respect the plenty, but. Yeah. Man, we got our asses handed to them so much. I just, I, I, I can't do it anymore. I still pucker every time I see the Blackhawks. I mean, they, how long has it been since we've played an NHL game? And I still think that they're going to beat us the next time we see them. Do we, I still think they're going to knock us out of the playoffs every do, single time. Do I have time for another quick one? Yeah. I, I got nothing else. Okay. So, in the locker room, I mentioned to you, like, beside me is Matthew Schneider. Beside him, Nick Lidstrom, Chris Chelios, Darian Hatcher. On That's down the one side. Over to my left, right beside me, kind of caddy corner. Well, not caddy corner. Right beside me, but just over a little bit. Steve Eiserman is there. Henrik Zetterberg. Dominic Hashik, like we've got all these guys. And in the Red Wings locker room, they have those recessed cans, the lights mm. that you go up, they're up in, just like these. And I you, dated a girl that had recessed cans. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Were they real or fake? Anyways, so we, <laughs> so dumb. you would have to screw them in and take them out. Anyway, go ahead. And there yes. was a, I was, pow- I was powering through it anyways. Um, <laughs> there was a light that was kind of right above me, and it was the only light we had in the corner, and you know, 
So one day I'm in that practice early and I got my stool and I'm up and I'm ow, ow, it's burning my fingers. I take the light out and I put it over on the shelf. So it's now, it's like almost pitch black in the corner. And Eiserman walks in. He's like, the hell? Where's the light? It's dark as hell. I go, Stevie, leave it out. He's like, why? I go, because if they don't know that I'm here, <laughs> they can't send me down or trade me. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what? I'm like, look at, watch the team meeting. He'll never look over here because it's going to be pitch black. He's like, okay, fine. So then Stevie played along with it. Matthew Schneider didn't care. He thought it was hilarious. Right. And sure as shit, Dave Lewis would look over and not even really know who's in the corner. So he just keep going. So I said, see, Stevie, if they don't realize that I'm here, they can't fire me. Is there a light that I can pull out in the studio <laughs> in there? Is that okay? I was just thinking the same thing. What do I got to do? So when I got traded from the Red Wings to the Coyotes, um, the trainer went in to try and put the light bulb back in. And Stevie goes, no, nah, no, nah, man, leave it out. He goes, I kind of like it dark over here. That's <laughs> so great. That's fantastic. Well, boys, I say we uh, we do this again next week. What I'd do you say? To. Yeah, I'll try I not to be to. so much trouble, guys. I'm sorry. Oh, I got no a lot big deal. Of stuff you got a life. On. We don't have a life. Yeah. This is all <laughs> that's, we got. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, uh, we are available. The Last Minute Blues podcast available on all of your favorite downloadable channels. Download us, share us, and we'll be back again next week. Last Minute Blues podcast. Jamie Rivers, Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton. Thank you very much for listening to me, as always. Let's go, Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.